Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and what a marvelous month of May it has been. Um, joining me tonight are two co-hosts, and in no particular order. Good evening, Grapeviney. How are you? I'm excellent, Andy. Thank you. And also joining us back again, Super Mercado. Good evening. How are you? And I'm I'm not leaving until we until we stop winning. Yeah, well, that's that's when you'll get fired. <laughs> <laughs> like players growing beards during playoffs and winning streaks. I'm not going anywhere until the losses come. So let's keep going, D's. Well, um, I was certainly shocked uh, by by the result. I, I, going into the game, I, I don't think I was. Uh, I wasn't confident. I think I've still got that MFC SS inside of me. Um, I thought it might have been a repeat of our second game against Adelaide, but boy, was I wrong, and I am thrilled to be wrong. Um, Great Viney, I know you were confident. Um, yeah, I actually thought we might thrash them, but I certainly didn't expect the margin in the end. But I, I've actually got a concern. I know there's a lot of positive things to talk about, and we're going to go through them all on the show tonight, but I think there's a major concern that no one is talking about, and I wanted to ask you guys about it straight off the bat. Go uh, ahead. What are you wearing to the grand final? <laughs> um, because <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk the G word. <laughs> I'm not even talking the F word yet. Uh... But the no, G word is not even in my vocab at the moment. But, but okay, it's a fair question. Uh, Super Mercado, what are you wearing? <laughs> well, I'm currently winning the auction item for Reese Healy's Shanghai Showdown uh, jumper with number 50 <laughs> on the back. So uh, I might slap that on, put the blazer I bought a couple of years uh, a couple of years ago in the auction, put that on as well. Uh, and possibly the Mexican wrestling mask I wore to the uh, Scully Carnival of Hate game when I held up that Judas 31 banner. <laughs> On one side, so maybe that triple ensemble will uh, will do nicely. Uh, Great Viney, was there any particular reason you, you bought this up? Do you have something in mind, or uh, no? But I'll probably <laughs> rock out the uh, the circa nineteen ninety one ninety two Demons headband um, that was in uh, in stock for a year or two around the Todd Viney and Schwartz era. Uh, so no, that's uh, that's all I've picked out at this stage. Was that an official club item that you could rock on down yep. to the uh, Demon Yeah, there was a white version that had that had the cartoon demon on it, and then there were also red, uh, mainly sort of red with a bit of blue checkered stuff on it too. I think I um, and they're only around for a few years, but I think I've still got both of them um, yeah, somewhere in the, the old cupboard. One. I got a uh, a big box of old records and 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 books and stuff like that from somebody, and I think that was in there in there as well. The the white one with the cartoon on it, the more official AFL one. I did see yep. uh, a picture the other day from the collection from your favourite, the random images on Demon Wiki, and it was uh, Jacko and Kevin Dyson in a. I think it was an offcut from a merchandise uh, photo shoot from the early nineties, and uh, Jacko was wearing a, a very nice sort of polo shirt and baseball cap combination and some unofficial tracksuit pants that were clearly not from the Melbourne collection. And Kevin Dyson was wearing a very shiny jacket that was reminiscent of the shine factor you get on our new away jumper. <laughs> I um, uh, I did see that image. I think you put it up on uh, Twitter. And uh, yes, it's uh, now in my collection. So thank you. I accidentally labelled Kevin Dyson as Chris Sullivan at first because I was obviously had Chris Sullivan on the mind after we... Uh, crossed the fabled Chris Sullivan line at three-quarter time for two weeks in a row for the first time for God knows how long. <laughs> um, 
I used to get uh, talking about the headbands. I used to get extremely frustrated when uh, opposition players would um, would snatch it off uh, Viney's head. Uh, but my... there was one occasion he went feral when yes. that happened. <laughs> it might have been against Carlton. But not so angry as the time or when uh, when when Jimmy Steins was wearing that hat, um, if you recall, and I think <laughs> Dion Scott of uh, Brisbane Bears probably at the time, um, maybe they were the Lions, probably Bears, uh, ripped his hat off and ripped it in ripped it in half, I think. Which is a pretty good effort yes. to rip a hat in half. Yes, uh, quality uh, workmanship on that hat. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the issue of uh, Demon Wiki, which Super Mercado um, uh, was talking about before, and I note that there was a post in relation to Roger Ellingworth uh, on the board a short time ago, and I was surprised just looking his, uh, looking up his entry on Demon Wiki that there was no acknowledgement of his role in Footy's most famous interchange, which is Healy off, Ellingworth on, bloody weak as piss. Um, and, and that should certainly be a part of his profile. Um, and is it true that to, nickname, shot to footy fame on that? Was his nickname Custard Guts, or was someone just ribbing me when they told me that? <laughs> I hadn't heard that one, I must say. I thought it was an odd, odd nickname, but, you know, footy clubs, you never know. No, you never know. But we're not here to talk about uh, the old days. We're t- here to talk about the da- the days uh, that we're we're in at the moment and what what beautiful days it, it's a beautiful day and a beautiful month, especially to be a Melbourne Football Club uh, fan. Um, what a game! Um, great Viney, who was your best player? Uh, well, it's hard to narrow them down. I won't go for my best, but well, the best was Angus Brayshaw, I yeah. thought. But we'll talk about him in a minute. Yeah. I wanted to point out uh, and picking one from the twenty-two, Jake Lever, who, and I think uh, Goody said this in the post-match, he owned the game in the first ten, fifteen minutes. He would have picked up half a dozen touches, a number of marks, a few free kicks, and absolutely stamped his authority all over the game um, very early. Uh, so I thought that was just superb. You know, there'd been this whole um, faux concern about Adelaide hopping into him and the kind of reception he was going to get. And um, that was just, uh, uh, you know, a and non-issue. Of but in the end. were you surprised that they didn't get stuck into him? Uh, I know we sort of touched on whether they should or they shouldn't, but... I'm sure he it's was hard expecting to get it. Stuck in, uh, hard to get stuck into someone when you're five goals down, um, ten minutes into the first quarter. So, <laughs> but they didn't even get um, stuck into him before the game started. That that was um, I was surprised that there was nothing. Yeah, I was surprised by that as well. Uh, yeah, a bit I, of I know. Look, as we discussed yeah. last week, I think we all know it's uh, you know it, it's fake stuff, and yeah, they're all going to yeah. smile at the end. But I thought it was very light on that one one bloke. Was it Fogarty? Yeah, he just said sort of an elbow. The, the kind of nudge you would give to a to an opponent well, that's, in any game, that's standard. Let alone this game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that that's uh, you know indicative of how they were going to fly the white flag immediately after, um, like it would have changed anything if they'd gone and punched on with him. But I, I really was surprised that they didn't have a few more people run through him and at least give him a nudge. Yeah, I, I was extremely especially, surprised, especially when you've got a coach who you know, has preseason camps when they kidnap players <laughs> and blindfold them on buses and then. Spends three quarter time running around, you know, basically committing acts that anywhere else would be considered workplace bullying on people. Uh, but yet the players don't get into the guy who should be, at least for token reasons, uh, a figure of disdain for their club. 
So, so they did it. They did a quite intense camp at the beginning of the year. Is that correct? They that did. Was this year? Um, and um, for all the uh, for all the shit we've copped for not yeah, going well, that's, on was... the Christian Salem brick dropping <laughs> camp, uh, I think if you're just taking it on uh, benefits of camps, I think we've had a win on that front. Yeah, I was going to say like uh, I'm not, not. Look, there's still a lot of footy to play, and I'm sure if things go south that camp might be brought up again, but you have a look at the two teams that went on a camp and didn't go on a camp and they had vastly different results uh, on the weekend. Well, part of no, their camp was... I, I'm, in the, go well, ahead. I'm in the campers Costas um, uh, side of the equation. We could be winning by 150 <laughs> points or more had we gone on a camp, so it's an opportunity loss for mine. All right, so uh, we all agree Lever, Lever was sensational. I mean, those those intercept yep. scores uh, are just, you know, he's averaging, I think, 10 in this past month um, and six for the entire year. Um, he's just going from strength to strength, and I think it's solidified the reason we went after him very hard. And I think when all is said and done, you know, that trade will we'll come out the winners on that one. And he looks oh, like we already are. we reckon yeah. them as well. He just had this joy on his face as it was happening. And it was, I thought it was funny in the post-match interview when he just instantly said, we've got to play them again in round 19. It's like he, he already knew exactly when we played them the next time. So oh, yeah. it, it was good to see him having a good time because at the start of his run, obviously, he was, you know, we were having a few problems in defence and he looked relatively miserable. Um, this time he was flying. Speaking of happy footballers... How funny was the Clayton Oliver smile, uh, the smiling handball in the last quarter, um, running through the centre and he's facing forward and then dishes out the side to Jonesy and had this huge smile on his face, which <laughs> they, they mentioned in the uh, commentary. So uh, they're all having a ball at the moment. Following on from his broad smile when he kicked the goal that uh, rose the margin above 100 yes. the week before. Was it a bigger smile than the smile that he gave the two of us, Grey Viney, uh, when he was running around <laughs> the boundary line and we screamed out to him? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, Super Mercado, uh, who stood out for you? Uh, well, I would certainly concur that Brayshaw um, was the best player on the ground, but someone I wanted to talk about was someone I didn't even have in my top five, and it was obviously a very hard week to to narrow it down to five as opposed to some weeks where it's very hard to get to five. Uh, I have been so impressed in the last few weeks by Bailey Fridge. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's we've, we've gone and taken a guy who's a proven goal kicker in the VFL uh, and taken him away from being a goal kicker. He's not just playing in the forward line. He's This might be a naive view of it, but he's almost doing a Jaden Hunt job. He's, he's coming up and down the wing. He's setting up play. Um, I think, again, we have to wait. You can't take it on a, a five-week um, sample size. You've got to wait a bit more. But it would be remarkable if we could take him and turn him into that really vital link player, um, considering what effectively he was drafted for. You don't know what they saw and what they thought they were going to do with him in the future. But he came to us with the idea that he was going to be a forward. Uh, and he has been absolutely sensational the last few weeks. Yeah, uh, if if there's any the one negative, um, I think there was one thing. The ball went forward and was sort of kicked to him. Uh, he was sort of by himself. Uh, I'm not sure whether he fumbled or not, but he got 
pushed off the ball quite easily. And I think that's just due to his size. And uh, I can't wait till he gets another full preseason under him. And, you know, he's got a slight frame anyway. I'm not sure how much he'll be able to bulk up, but he'll be able to bulk up a little bit more than he is now. You only noticed, you only noticed that because it's the one time for the whole day exactly. when an Adelaide player was near one of our players <laughs> exactly. inside the forward 50. <laughs> exactly. But uh, that's, it's not a knock on him. It's just something that uh, I can't wait till he improves that part of, you know, his game. And um, he's, a, he's a brilliant decision maker. There was that passage of play where we were throw handballing the ball around in the forward line and he was about to um, perhaps have a shot, but then he just stopped, looked and executed a perfect snap pass to Nibbler. Um, I think it must have been in the second quarter, um, sort of over the shoulder and it was just perfect execution. His decision-making and his skills are, um, are A1. So even if the sort of wing experiment doesn't work in the end, um, he's going to find a place in the team, um, absolutely. But as uh, Super Mercado says, he looks great uh, doing that linking role at the moment. I thought our kicking into the 50, particularly even once we were in the 50 and then finding someone free closer to goal um, was fantastic and allowed us to, well, we had such an accurate you know, scoring ratio because we were getting guys closer to goal on their own, you know, and able to slot through through some relatively easy goals. Um, yeah, yeah. Brayshaw, um, we've talked about him. It, it, he was fantastic. And I noticed that he had 32 uncontested possessions. Um, he was just finding space everywhere. He was No one was manning him at all, I don't think. And he was just running right. And that's just yeah, adding to the weaponry in the midfield. And now you've got Viney in there as well. Who had 20, who had 20 uh, contested possessions and 17 uncontested. So. Exactly. So yeah. you've got those two. And you've got Gorn, who occasionally looks like a midfielder rather than a ruckman. Um, he, he's so confident in working on the ground level that there's just we're growing so many options that it's just going to be hard, to, hard for teams to cover us. Um, but it's just a case of of making sure we're using the ball when we get it out wide, which is probably where, not to get into the great Dom Tyson debate again, but you'd almost that's where we started to fall down, where we'd get the ball clear and then there'd be a turnover. And he's certainly not the only one who does it, but it's really important to make sure, especially when we're going forward quickly and, as we saw on the weekend, absolutely unlocking the opposition defence with the quick entries um, to make sure that we don't blow it halfway with a, with a flub kick or a bad decision. Yeah, the thing about Brayshaw, particularly on the weekend, was he's always he was always in the right position for the outside ball, or so often he was. Um, you know, there'd be one or two quick hand passes inside, and then it'd be sort of out out to the wing, and Brayshaw would be there. And uh, uh, his skills on both sides of the body are, are pretty good. So um, yeah, yeah, it's you'd be. Did, did you see the video of him after the the interview? with him after the game where he was almost in tears, I think. Yeah, I was almost in tears as well. <laughs> tears of joy. <laughs> but he, he, he would be, you wouldn't He's be. He's so happy to be back playing footy. And good footy as well. Uh, yeah. You would, if you didn't know better, you would think he was a, a natural uh, left footer. Yeah. Um, and also he bobbed up and kicked three goals and, you know, Two of them were from 50, or just inside 50. Um, just beautiful to watch. 
Yeah, and the thing the thing that he really said in that interview after the game was how much he missed winning um, and being with the boys in those moments after the siren goes. So uh, the players are really building up a big bond. And I think my favourite moment for the, from the match came post-match when Clary posted a photo to Instagram of uh, him hugging Jack Viney. And the, um, the message was, uh, so happy that this guy's back. And you just think, you know, imagine that you've dominated in the... Uh, you've dominated in the centre for eight weeks. You're one of the, you know, clearance and tackling machines in the competition. And then all of a sudden, Jack Viney comes back into the side to uh, take some of the load off you. So uh, Clary must be absolutely loving life at the minute. And the majority of the team are actually in an era now where they're used to winning. Like, if if you go back yeah. five years because uh, I remember this well because it was the week of my wedding anniversary last week. So I remember we played Frio the next day, lost by 90 points. <laughs> There's only three people left from that team. And it was Jones, Jetta and Gorn. Yeah. Uh, and Jetta and Gorn basically did nothing because obviously that was when before Jetta's ruse-led revival. The, the team, the other 19 players that have come to replace everyone else in that team are not mired in the uh, the... the destructive years and um, so we're building that winning culture and i know winning culture yeah. is probably a cliche but they're used to winning so i think that's absolutely really and and more importantly they expect to win yeah um, and the hunger is there like not just yep. to win but they know what it's like and they want to do it again and again it's not like a a cause for celebration when we win one game unless we win it by 90 points or 109 points but it's it's not a surprise, and they're like, oh well, we're going to lose for the next six weeks. Thank God we won once. There's that more ruthless edge now. Know what I liked um, at the end of the game? Angus uh, kicked that goal on you know after the siren, and every guy on the field ran to him. It was like we had won by a point, um, <laughs> and. I liken it uh, sort of like Hawthorne or something. You know, a few years ago, we belt, you know, belting teams and just winning. I don't, th- I don't know. Maybe they got tired of <laughs> tired of winning, um, uh, but you just didn't see that. And that, that, I don't know. There was just something about it that you know we'd thrashed a team, but they and they weren't showboating. They were so wrapped. I don't know if it was because Brayshaw's you know, stamped his authority's back. It was just so good to see. Um, you can see they're really playing for each other. Now, Brayshaw, Viney, Oliver all had over 30 possessions. I mean, if you're an opposition team, who, who do you go out to tag? And if you successfully do one, you're going to have the other two running right. I wouldn't bother trying on Oliver. He does so much so much work in close um, that you could tag. You'd have someone hanging off his back. Like a koala, and he's still gonna he's still gonna get the ball, and he's still gonna get rid of the ball. Um, so I, I certainly wouldn't be aiming my resources at him if I was trying to tag someone. Um, a lot's been uh, Neil Bullen. I think the last few weeks he's really um, really showing the contribution he can give to the team. I think earlier on in the year we were critical, sort of he wasn't doing much uh, in the middle, and I think his role now mainly off the half-forward flank, is, uh, is is proving to be a great move because he's kicking goals, um, he's sharing it off as well. Um, yeah, I'm really happy with uh, Nibbler's uh, contribution to the team. Can we talk about Jesse? 
Jesse, of course, we, of course, we're going to talk about a lot of players, but Jesse was fantastic. Continued uh, his um, his run of uh, goals in every game this year. I think there's only one other footballer in the league that's done that. Uh, yep. One of the Collingwood boys, and hopefully yep. we can end it, the, uh, that run in a few weeks for him. Um, but Jesse, fantastic. I mean, and not just uh, the five goals. How many did he give off? Yeah, well, at least another two. He gave off the first one with super quick hands to Petrarca. And there was the one. Tom McDonald. T Mac, yep, in the final quarter. Uh, So, yeah, could have had a couple others. And then there was the the shot that didn't happen on the three quarter time siren. (laughs) That was a brain Um, fade, a complete (laughs) brain fade. Yeah, it was. The siren went quite early. The siren went quite early in the run up. So he had plenty of time to sort of adjust and just kick straight. But it went, and then two seconds later, he played on. So uh, I think he just got and confused or something. I but think then he was trying to complain that the guy ran off the mark or something, that he should have got 50. Oh, I yeah, thought no, he was he trying was to also say, called, why didn't anyone tell me the, the time was about to run out? Oh, as in to the other yeah, to the players? Yeah, he wanted to be notified, yeah. basically. <laughs> that's, I don't think that's how it works, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was the. Uh, I think someone posted uh, on the board during the week that, um, yeah, like his hands are almost as good as Oliver's. He's um, Nick Brewalt with uh, Clayton Oliver's hands, so um, yeah, he's uh, he's on fire at the moment. Would he make the All Australian team on current form? He's third on the Coleman. He'd have to be in the conversation when you're talking about forwards. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, 20, 20 touches and 11 marks. So, I think it was good that he got amongst the goals because he's, he's certainly he's been playing very well the last few weeks, but he's been almost the provider yeah. uh, for McDonald. And this week, yep. McDonald didn't have as good a game. Um, still, it wasn't there wasn't anything wrong with his game, but he sort of just he took the back seat to, to Hogan to kick the goals this time. So they're a, they're a, a lethal combination at the moment. If, you, if you're talking All-Australian, um, there's one player that I reckon he's back into his All-Australian form, and if he continues up, he's a lock for it, uh, Michael Hibbert. Um, I thought he was sensational half halfback. Uh, I posted something onto uh, both Facebook and uh, Instagram today. It was a play, if you watched um, On the Couch, uh, it was just one of those passages of play. There was about five handballs. Um, they weren't those manic handballs. They were sort of positional handballs and a kick across the ground. Uh, Hibbard got it. He kicked it to Omac and then ran down the field. I think Omac kicked it to Fritch and Fritch handballed it off to Hibbard and Hibbard had a beautiful pass at full pelt uh, to Spargo, who kicked the goal. Um, but that run from Hibbert just, you know. Yeah, it's, it's so important <laughs> yeah. getting those chains started where the ball does get moved quickly down the other end. Like You look at the reverse would be the Richmond game where you had the problem being if Hogan was inside 50, no one could get it to him. And when Hogan was outside 50, he had no one no to one kick to, it to. Yeah. And we were just so slow in getting the ball out and getting it into the 50, whereas these times, last few weeks, it's just been express from one end to the other, um, which mm. you would think that uh, your Luke Beveridge's and Nathan Buckley's would be taking uh, significant note of because it's wrecked these teams in the last few weeks. Yep. Um, I'll tell you who I was impressed with. Um, Tim Smith as the other forward option uh, really liked his game, um, contributed with uh, two goals this week. I think he's been 
great as the Wiedemann's replacement while he's been injured, and I think he's going to keep his position um, for the foreseeable future. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's going to be well. It's hard to change a um, hard to change a team that's averaging hundred point victories in the last two weeks. So he'll play again this week for sure. Even and I, I think, think Wiedemann, difference... Wiedemann is back. The difference to him and Wiedemann, and this is not a knock on Wiedemann, but Smith seems to be holding those marks. Mm, yes. He's coming at the ball, he's holding the marks. There was one goal, I think it might have, it was the one where Hogan did the uh, nifty handball to Petrarca that was basically set up by Smith just coming straight out of the inside the 50 and taking a big mark and then just dishing the handball off to Hannon straight away. Yep. Um, I don't think at the moment you're going to see Wiedemann do that, which is not to say that he won't in the future, and he did. He was not bad when he played, but I think Smith, um, if we're putting Pedersen on the back burner to looking at the future, which is still a a sore point with some of us who are in the uh, pro-Pedersen faction, um, I think Smith's probably the better option for now. Yeah, look, I I think that's... uh, I love Pedersen too, but you've got to think after the the games he's had last couple of weeks, not being able to get in, you don't think there's going to be, barring some injuries... Uh, I don't think the door's going to be open for him uh, as much as we'd love love him to get a game. Yeah, I think Smith pretty. Uh, yeah, Smith he has it, the second half of last week and this game. He's uh, definitely put himself into the lead in that three man battle. Hmm. How about Jack Varney? Um, the number of contests where his sheer will and brute strength just gets him out of a huge pack of players is just extraordinary. Um, he sums, just rams his way out. Uh, he was absolutely back to his best, and, um, wasn't he? Yeah, and I don't mind that sometimes he gets caught and, you know, gets a, uh, holding the ball against him. But it's like one out of 10 yeah, well, or that's one out right. of 15. So, yeah. I'm happy for him to keep the bullocking work going because he gets most of them out of there. And he's just got yeah. such a good instinct. For, for the contest as well. And you put him and Oliver together, who and Oliver almost seems to have a sixth sense sometimes of where to handball, um, yep. that you put those two in who have that really, just just know what to do in, in traffic. Uh, it's a really big bonus to the midfield. Um, I mean, you, we could go through every single player because I think every single player sort of had some contribution, um, you know, from the the small guys, Spargo and Hannon. They all did their little bits. Uh, Melksham, again, continuing on uh, from the past few weeks he's had, uh, kicked two goals. Um, and I, I like the stat that I saw um, uh, during the week that he... So what was that stat about him? He's won... Uh, one on, more one-on-one contests inside 50 uh, than any other player in the competition, um, which is fantastic for a smaller smaller guy. Nine nine out of 14 um, one-on-one contests. Good stuff. He's a funny kind of small, isn't he? Because if he's one out, he's sort of he's he's very. I mean, he's very strong. So um, when it's sort of yeah, when it's that one-on-one marking situation, even he's just as likely to or more likely, to, to win, yeah. That's another case of getting the ball down there quickly and giving him the chance to get one-on-one with someone and use the body to get rid of him um, that creates the goal-scoring opportunities. And, of course, he's, I mean, he's a, a, a really good field kick as well. So when yep. he's the one delivering it, 
there have been some times where he's just unloaded some absolute howitzers to a player, um, you know, in a perfect position. So he's got that. He's got the weapon both ways. Well, you mentioned that since round six. Sorry, if saying, if saying the weapon is not a trigger to Jake if he's listening <laughs> from the whole Essendon thing. Sorry about that. Uh, since um, uh, round six, uh, we have also uh, retained possession of the ball uh, 90 I think it's at ninety three point three percent of the time when Melksham uh, kicks the ball inside fifty, so that backs up uh, that your yeah. statement. Um, yeah. yeah, amazing. Um, everyone, even contribution across the board. Um, you know, Jonesy, great. Oh, we always seem to miss Jonesy when we're talking uh, about everyone else, but Jonesy just continues to do Jonesy things. Plays two fifty. On uh, the weekend, yeah, um, amazing. Did you uh, hear his um, his presser today? Uh, he reckons he's still got uh, five or six years in him. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. So, I don't see why not. I know some people on the board have sort of said they sort of pile Jonesy in with um, Vince and Jordan, which is a bit strange because A's of quite a few years younger, but there's no indication that Jones is sort of slowing down or would any uh, would be anywhere near retirement so do you think in good a few, to say that do you think in a few t- years time he'll take over that uh, Jordan Lewis role across half back if he slows down in the midfield uh, that's possible for sure yep he's do, a pretty good user of the ball he's got it in so. him. do we think he's got it in him to uh, run down Nita for the uh, games record if if anyone does it, I'd like it to be him. So, uh, what's that? Fifty more, fifty more games. Oh, no, how many did uh, need to play in the end? Yeah, three oh eight. Without looking at it, uh, without before I type it in to look at it onto demonwiki.org. That that's uh, another. Well, it's, it plays the rest of this year, and that's two more. Three hundred six. Yeah. So two, yeah. two. So two, hopefully, chuck a couple of finals. Two years. In as well, two that, other that years. Helps boost the numbers. Yeah, he could do it easy. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, injury injury permitting, but he's been very durable. He's missed very few games uh, with injury over the journey. So, you know, I hope that continues too. Um, What what did you... um, We didn't have this sort of written down of what we're going to talk about, but, uh, you know, we've had the last few weeks, everyone sort of saying... I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of media people sort of saying, you know, this team, you know, can go all the way or go very deep into September, but there's still a lot of people saying that, oh, we've played no one yet. And even, you know, and then rolling out the excuse for Adelaide, they're injury riddled at the moment. And sure, they did have injuries, but you you can't totally dismantle a team like that without getting some credit, um, injuries or not. And no, you know, they were beating other teams. So what does that say? Yeah, I mean they didn't show up. That's that's fair to say that the the Crows team that was there just totally didn't show up from the first bounce. But yeah, it's not a uh, it, it's not a bad team otherwise. It's certainly a much better team on paper than Carlton, and we uh, we only you know kick three goals or one by three goals less. So it's definitely it, we've got to watch what happens. I think this week I'm hoping that we win. <laughs> um, I think we should win, but the old uh, I think when we expect it. <laughs> Depression syndrome uh, yeah. makes me just a bit concerned about that. 
Uh, but it's really those two games after the Collingwood and Port games that are going to show really where we're at against the against the best sides. But did did, yeah, did they not I, show I up? Know. Did they not show I, up, or did we shut them down? I, th- I tend to think we shut them down. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think they not, definitely right, yeah, um, put the white flag up quickly, easily, and without any fight whatsoever. But uh, we just uh, we dominated from the beginning, so you can the, you can the lead put a team to. into submission quickly. The lead we jumped to helped to uh, encourage them to uh, put the white flag up and just yep. give it in, give in for the day. Um, so probably a, a little bit of both. Um, you know, thirty-one points or even four goals. They got it back to three goals uh, before that free kick to Neil Bullen right at the end of the quarter. Uh, that would have been you know, a margin that they could very much have got. Uh, but I think that uh, by by that Neil Bullen goal at the end. Uh, where the bloke sort of went for a bit of a jog into in the back line and he, he nailed him with the tackle, I think that just put him away entirely. And then Smith, I think, got the goal about 30 seconds into the next quarter uh, and they were just never seen again. Uh, Jonathan Brown's on, uh, on the couch uh, reckons we've got 11 All-Australians, or potential All-Australians, uh, in our team. Um, Obviously, that's not gonna not gonna come to fruition. They never sort of gift that. But uh, who do you reckon? Did he did he list who he was talking about? Uh, he, I, I sort of was only half paying attention, yeah. and I think he might have named a few. I thought he said elite players, but he may have said uh, no. He say, did say all Australian, all Australian. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, but well, you could we can try him out. Um, Gorn is obviously one. Yeah. Gorn, Hibbard, Oliver. Yep. Hibbard, Oliver, Hogan. Yep. Oscar McDonald. <laughs> well, I, don't, might, I, don't, I don't know that, if he's That might thinking. be a acquired taste for uh, Melbourne fans only. Yeah. Um, uh, Jetta would be one of them. He's a, he's a fan of Jetta, hmm. no doubt. Hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, I think if he's talking about elite players versus about all Australians, yeah, yeah, yeah. probably Tom yeah. McDonald um, would probably get a run there. Uh, Melksham, even. Yeah, yep. last few weeks he's had. Well, I'm totally off now. The um, uh, the AFL um, player, of, Viney. Yeah, I'm totally off the uh, AFL team of the week. Uh, not that I ever used that as a barometer, but after they gave us against the Carlton game five, and this week they only gave us two players in there. Um, I thought it was criminal for. Um, Michael Hibbard not to be named in that team, and I will not be looking at that that team uh, for the rest of the year. Um, did we get an update on the player ratings this week? Did uh, did anyone top Jake Melksham's greatest game in the history of AFL football? <laughs> well, it wasn't uh, mentioned. The player ratings. <laughs> it wasn't mentioned, but the but the media everyone's like loving uh, Jakey Melksham at the moment. Um, they love the stats that are coming out of his game. So uh, yeah, let's uh, roll on the good times. Um, the age, the age, uh, didn't give a vote to Angus Brayshaw, and they've got that voting system where it's not they they give out four votes. Yeah, it's five like eight, votes. eight, eight. Everyone gets eight votes. Yeah, <laughs> well, they couldn't uh, couldn't find anything for for Gus, so well, way off the mark. Well, I saw Maxi got um, he got eight votes in that, and I was just having a look at his stats. Uh, he had only 12 possessions, two kicks and 10 handballs. I mean, arguably his ruck work was fantastic. He was just palming it down all day uh, to our advantage. Um, but yeah, I thought, uh, 
I don't know. He got the eight votes in that game, and for Brayshaw to get none, I thought that was strange. Yep. That's not That's taking any away but... from, from, from Maxi because he's fantastic. He's in all Australian form, and, uh, you know, we love Maxi, but, um, yeah. Interesting. It's a bizarre system. Is that set up just so everyone can go home happy and they don't have to make a decision on who the absolute best player was? Well, it's like three people get eight votes and one or yeah. two get seven. Are they, <laughs> do they think someone's going to you know write in or stop buying the paper because a certain player got the top vote? Come on, age, be more decisive. <laughs> make a decision. Well, uh, certainly the uh, Demonland Player of the Year is... Uh, it's still a, a four-horse race, but uh, Angus Brayshaw uh, made a run and has, has overtaken the fifth spot, uh, but he's still a ways away from uh, the top four who are just um, killing it. It's the same top four as it's been. I think uh, Hogan and um, and Jones sort of interchange from uh, week to week in third and fourth, but Maxie's leading from uh, Oliver, uh, and then I think Jesse this week is in third and um, Jonesy's in fourth. Uh, Super Mikado, you, uh, how's, your, uh, how's your voting going? Well, we've got to, I didn't give Maximum any votes this week, but I gave Clayton a couple. So he's drawn level with Max at the top. So they're on 24 uh, with Hogan third on 21 and then a bit of a gap to Jones on 14 uh, and Melksham on 11. And uh, like... Like your competition, I've got Brayshaw shooting up the ladder, so he's up to, he's next in line now with seven. Yeah, well, uh, Melksham's um, just below um, Brayshaw, so yeah. Um, so at least we're, at, at least my uh, my votes are being tested <laughs> by the by the crowd on Demon Land as well. So there's nothing weird going on. Um, it was good. Jake Lever joined uh, joined the club this week, pocketing his first votes in the in the Jakovic. So joins the the very lengthy list of players who have pocketed a vote since 2005. Uh, in that august competition yeah i'd like to uh i think one week you've got to compile your list of all people who've just got one vote in in that award ever you won't be surprised to find out it's already been done (laughs) okay (laughs) i'm not surprised at all Uh, i can give you it right now just for (laughs) uh just let me scroll down i've scrolled down too far sorry this is great radio uh guy ragoni and james seller are the only two players who have ever pocketed one vote. Guy Rigoni won vote in 2005. Really? The first year of the award. Uh, obviously, that was the tail end of his, oh, his career. Yes, career. Yes, so, yes, uh, yeah. And James Seller won vote in 2012. So they are the currently the only men to have uh, pocketed the single vote. And everyone who's got two is still on the list except a Mr. Jay Tumpus of Adelaide who finished his career on two votes. So, so how, how do you uh, give the votes each week? What is it? Uh, oh, it's the 5 4 three, five, two, one okay. so, system, which I, I would say is the uh, the finest system in the land for uh, <laughs> for delivering the votes. It's, it gives you gives you the chance to, to recognise players, players who you, you're not obviously vaulting people in just to get them a vote, but it gives you a chance to crack it open a bit more if you've got dominant players at the, at the top of the tree. In fact, I'd like to see the Brownlow go to a five four three two one system. <laughs> James Seller must have had a, a ripper game that game that he uh, got that one vote. Pocketed one. I two thousand and twelve. Yeah, it might have been that night we beat Essendon. Uh, but then again, it might have been one of the many times that we were just complete shite and uh, <laughs> he was struggling he to tried, find another. He person. tried very hard. 
So for uh, for the sake of historical record, before the start of this year, the leader of all time votes is Nathan Jones on three hundred and fifty six. Not surprised. With the next closest man being Brad Green on one hundred and eighty two. Nice. Uh, um, speaking of history, uh, both uh, John Northey and uh, Hassaman uh, came out uh, this week and said, um, well, Northey reckons um, we, we've got the team to go all the way. And uh, Hassaman said it's the best Melbourne list he's ever seen. Was he including the times he was playing? Because we had some pretty oh, good dear. teams back then. Um, but Good question. People all... Me- Melbourne people are getting on board the uh, demon train. Uh, Neat said in the paper today, um, and we'll talk about Neat a bit later, that uh, he also thinks that there's nothing stopping us and the club needs to have a why not us mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just believe basically that they can do it. So I was trying to think today, is this the most exciting Melbourne side I've seen? I think the only... Maybe 94 was as exciting, 98. Um, well, 94, I believe we probably should have won the premiership that year. Um, thought we got screwed sort of in the in the final series. But, um, yeah, that was exciting. Um, 98 was good. I don't think the team was particularly that good in 98 because it really was, apart from Jeff White, Jamie Shanahan, and Travis Johnston, yeah. it was pretty much the spoon team of 97. Yeah. Uh, but they just had such a great season, such a memorable season. Um, mm. But it, but then the next year, it reverted to type yeah. again. But then yeah. in 2000, you know, we all know what weird yeah. scenarios were going on at that time. Um, but I'd throw in 91 as well. Uh, there was those... You, know, you had that run where Darren Bennett was kicking big numbers of goals. You yeah, had the run where Cuthbertson was kicking big numbers of goals. And, of course, Djakovic came along and took over there that was an exciting team as well yeah look i'm i'm really excited excited about this team um it's the first time in a long time that i, I you know we've had some false dawns and lots of rebuilds we know that but I, I think there's something special about this team and um my confidence is growing week to week i've still got that nagging you know waiting for the sky to fall feeling uh but that's just my own insecurities. Uh, but, yeah, there's something special about this this group. And, um, you know, if they've got the belief and they can sort of, I won't say go all the way this year yet, but uh, we're building towards it. Yeah, we're the kings of contested balls. So that's really reassuring if you're sort of wondering, well, you know, are we really that good? We all know contested footy is finals footy. So I think we're uh, gearing up for... Uh, Gearing up is the real deal. Well, it's just not it's it's not just the contested footy that we're the kings at. Uh, the past month, uh, we were leading sixteen categories um, in the stats. Mm. A lot, lot of stats being thrown around, but it's pretty impressive to lead in all those. And look, you're going to have the naysayers uh, from other clubs and in the media saying, "Well, you didn't play anyone, so you should be." But um, there have been other teams around that are playing crap teams as well and you're not seeing uh, those numbers um, in particular being out. I mean, whenever they show these stats, you don't always see the dominant teams having leading 16 categories out of... And it's not falling over the line against these teams either. Yes. We've pulverised three teams in a row. So, yeah, we don't want to get overconfident, but also you can't talk down. It, It hasn't been three battling wins in a row against 
you know, lowly teams, um, they have been quite violent beatings. Uh, so I think that's got to stand us in good stead. Yeah, definitely. Um, there was uh, what else? Yeah, uh, did any of you watch uh, Great Viney? I know you did. Did you see Rusey on 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 the couch talking about yes. Daniel Cross in particular yes. and his role in the rebuild? I I really like that because, and I think even uh, I think Gary Lyon said it on the show. Someone like Cross, he never sort of would be brought up. Um, in that context uh, or getting any credit for anything. And it was really nice for, for him to get some credit in, um, you know, sort of coming over and um, sort of showing the boys at the time, you know, what sort of is required of a, a you know, a good, successful footballer. Um, yeah, really by all accounts, he's still as fit as he was then and he's probably still setting standards uh, in terms of sort of training and preparation. So the fact that he's sort of still down there is is good as well. But it was good for Ruzi uh, to acknowledge that, um, even though in a way he's patting himself on the back, Ruzi, in doing that, uh, because obviously, you know, that was a Ruzi move. But... Uh, it was fascinating to hear his insights into what the club was like when he got there and just the things about the negativity um, and the mindset. And I know um, I know that he said previously that, that what he really struggled with was that even when we'd have a win, um, it didn't improve confidence among the players. They'd come into training on a Monday and they'd be back... In, in loser mentality, effectively. Um, winning was just so foreign that it didn't actually sort of build into momentum. And he and the coaching staff would have to sort of effectively lift them up again, even though they were coming off a win. So, uh, yeah, I, I love listening to Ruzi talk about that kind of stuff because uh, it does sort of reveal just how far back we've come from and how far we've come, yeah. And I, th- I think it's quite a contrast that you take Cross and Vince versus, say, Roden and Burns. Um, different types yeah. of players, different stages of their career, but it was almost like Roden and Burns were there just to be experienced players. Um, and Burns, you know, to bring those, the training, um, you know, aspects from a successful team and things like that. So I'm sure there were a lot of benefits um, to bringing them in probably burns more than more than Roden. Uh, but the difference in, in impact that cross had in that short time and Vince had in those few years, uh, just a, a you know, night and day difference in bringing an experienced player in. Yep. Well, speaking about uh, the insights of uh, Paul Ruse, um, I think this is probably a good opportunity uh, to make an announcement um, and in the coming weeks, in a couple of weeks, uh, Demon Lamb will be interviewing Paul Ruse on uh, this very podcast. Um, so we're very thankful to Paul for this opportunity and um, yeah, if you've got any uh, questions that you want us to ask Ruzi, uh feel free to um, send in to uh, Demon Land and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll We'll make sure we uh, ask the pressing questions because there's a lot that I'd love to ask Ruzi about and even just thank the guy uh, for 
Well, I was going to say, we're going to need to stay disciplined that we actually ask questions and not just spend 15 <laughs> minutes praising him and uh, <laughs> saying amen over and over again. So, uh, yeah. I yeah. think something I'd be interested in um, with Ruzi was he, he always talked about, you know, you have to build the team from defence first. Um, you have to get that right first. And we had that, particularly the one season, um, 2014, I think, or 2015, where we scored at such a low rate, it was it was actually, you know, it wasn't painful to watch at times because we'd tightened it up at the other end. But I'd be interested in his views on how that has sort of followed through to now, given that that defence really doesn't have anybody except Jetta that was there at the time. It's it's how that philosophy flows to the rest of the team as well and contributes to the success four or five years later. Uh, Grey Viney, you're writing that down. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll listen back to it. And, uh, but, yeah, no, you're right. Um, uh, I'm, I'm wrapped. Uh, yeah, I hope uh, not just uh, fawning over him. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's a great opportunity and, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we're looking forward to it. Um, yep, good get. Yeah, very good. Um, so... Um, also, Lyon mentioned during the week on his radio show, he said, uh, just going back to, to Clary, because I, I forgot to mention it while we are talking about him, that he, he reckons he's the best, one of the best players to emerge in 20, 20 years. Um, and that's a, not just the, from the, for the Melbourne Football Club. That's across the board um, in the AFL. I mean, I'm sure I don't need to convince you guys about that fact, but... Uh, yeah. I think it's one of those things where people would... If you didn't weren't either paid to analyse footy or obsessive about what's happening at Melbourne, I think a lot of fans of other teams wouldn't see a lot of the things he does because it just happens in the blink of an eye. Um, there's the occasional sort of one-handed pick-up and awesome handball over the head that you can't fail to miss. But so much of it is just done. He gets a handball, he dishes it off perfectly to someone, um, you know, almost with that sixth sense that they're going to be there. I, I think he's you know, still a very underrated player. Um, which is probably a good thing. We probably don't want articles like this drawing the wider attention of the world to what he's doing. Um, whether one of the best to emerge in the last 20 years is uh, hyperbole or not, uh, I think SEN has a, mm -hmm. a history of putting things on their website that people uh, click through to because they want to yell and scream about the, uh, the point they're making. Uh, but I think for a player that was a a surprise at going so high in the draft. Um, and there were those questions over him. Did he, did he only have that great second half of the season because all the players had gone off to play in the carnival and things like that? Uh, he's certainly proven that the recruiters absolutely nailed that pick. Um, possibly like no other pick uh, in recent years coming from mm. absolutely nowhere. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you look, I've gotten, it doesn't matter whether we're talking him up or not, I'm sure opposition clubs know all about uh, Clayton Oliver, uh, but it's, and that's up opposition club coaching staff, but support, I've got mates who don't see any Melbourne games because we're usually at the arse end of the, the footy week and we don't get much TV coverage, so, so no one really, a lot of uh, supporters of other clubs uh, don't get to really see uh, Clayton Oliver and... Um, I can't wait till we play some of these clubs and just let him loose because he's beautiful to watch. Um, do we do want to talk about um, what's changed 
Uh, there was a good thread on Demonland, I thought, this week about, you know, what's changed since our last loss. Um, what, what's been the turnaround? Uh, do you guys have points of your own or want to rehash anything from, from there? Um, uh, I mean, it's obvious, um, I think, having Tom McDonald and Jack Viney in the last couple of weeks, um, they've certainly allowed other players to... to to come into her own with T-Mac. you got Hogan being able to be sort of unleashed uh, and then, you know, the, the midfield with Viney. Um, what else, guys? Well, there's also the timing of the back line as well. So that first four or five weeks, uh, they were all getting used to uh, Lever and then each other again. And so that coincided with the return of, you know, sort of T-Mac in a way, the back line's... Uh, started to gel at that point where it's now, you know, become a finely tuned machine. Um, so that's also been important. And I think it seems that now we, we tend to have a player sitting back more um, yeah. in case there's a turnover or a surprise forward entry, um, whereas before they they were having it kicked over their head a lot. Um, I would also definitely say Tom McDonald. Um, come back, and not just because of what he's done, but what it frees up Hogan to do as well. Uh, you've got, like I said before, that Richmond game where we needed two Jesse Hogans. We yeah. needed him kicking it to himself inside 50. Um, with McDonald, they're different players, but it just does give us that opportunity that I think personally I would prefer Hogan up the ground kicking it towards McDonald rather than McDonald up the ground kicking it towards Hogan. But it does give us that flexibility to to sort of you know, blind some opposition teams with science and run one of them through there and bring the other one in and have those more options of people to aim at. One thing I've noticed as well in terms of defence is uh, earlier on in the year we were all flying for for marks uh, or into the contest and no one was down and I think uh, that sort of uh, stopped. Uh, We're not having four players fly for the ball. That certainly helped in defence. Um, and you don't have five players going for the ball on the ground either. Yeah. You've got one going in, maybe two, and everyone's getting ready um, otherwise on the outside. You know, we've uh, all, no injuries, kicking straight <laughs> has, uh, has helped. Um, yeah. I noticed in the thread, yeah, confidence gets a mention as well, and that's immeasurable, as it says yep. in there. But I think players like Neil Bullen, who... Four weeks ago, even when we those first couple of games we won, he was sort of being talked about as a as an omission. Take give him a week in the twos or something like that. But he is just flying. He's just playing like he's having the time of his life. I'll um, add ha- I'll add add harms to that uh, same yep. scenario as well. I think uh, he's really we didn't talk about him earlier, but uh, his contribution has been fantastic the last couple of weeks. He's proving pretty good in the middle, isn't he? He's more than holding his own um, when he's part of the centre square rotation. So uh, it's great to see. Um, I didn't mention, and I've just remembered it now, if you do want to call and join us uh, to talk about anything, uh, we've got a couple of ways to do that. Uh, give us a call, 03-9016-3666. That's 03-9016-3666. Or D- Skype us, Demonland. Thirty-one. Um, oh, we've got the chat room, demonland.com slash podcast. Uh, get in there. If you're signed up with Demonland, you can chat with us. Got about 100 people live listening at the moment. So, yeah, get on board. Um, next. Um, 
while my uh, page refreshes. Um... <laughs> oh. I think you wanted to talk about the Casey game. I did. Yeah, that was the next thing on the list. So uh, Casey, Casey time. Um, I know Drunken167 said he was going to call in. So Drunken, uh, give us a call. You can, you know where to catch us. Um, I take it none of you guys went to Casey this week. I certainly don't have the time for two footy games a week. Um, no, I, I don't have the time for the hour and a half uh, <laughs> trip there at the moment. So uh, we've got we've got Drunken on the line now. Drunken, uh, good evening. How are you? Good evening, guys. What a time to be a Melbourne Football Club supporter, hey? <laughs> well, it certainly uh, beats... Uh, well, who did you support before the Ds? Uh uh, I was a Geelong supporter. Okay, there you go. So we, we so, it's still a going to be better than them. <laughs> yes, uh, a game and percentage, a game and percentage. Um, you went down to Casey this weekend. Um, how was it? Yeah, it was good. It was a hard fought game. Um, I don't think the boys expected Port Melbourne to play the way they did, and Port Melbourne probably deserved the win. But I think a few, a few uh, boys stepped up and were able to get over the line. Um, they kicked uh, terribly, uh, from what I've read. Um, certainly, in the I think, what what did they have in the first quarter? Two goals, nine or something. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they hit the post five times in a row in that yeah. first quarter. Yeah, I think that re- I read that in the um, in the wrap up of the game. Um, so you know, certainly they probably uh, should have beaten us, uh, but good to get a win. Um, so how do you, I, I see Billy Stretch was BOG. How do you go? Yeah, so he was fantastic. Um, he's played some really good games this year. The, the Box Hill game stands out. Uh, he was a bit quieter the week previous versus Frankston, which he really should have been a bit better, especially given the poor opposition. But he bounced back really well to easily be the best on ground this week. Yeah, um, his disposal efficiency was a lot better. He was involved in a, a lot of the, the run through the middle and he, his stoppage work was as good as I've seen from him this year. you got to feel sorry for, for Billy a bit because his form the last few weeks has been good, um, but it's it's so it's almost impossible to get into um, into this team at the moment. Um, guys, what do, you, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be very hard uh, unless, unless they start rotating players out. Um, but even then, if you're rotating players out and replacing them with blokes who have played in the VFL, is there that much is there that much benefit? So I think it's definitely going to be hard for the likes of uh, Stretch and um, even even Tyson to get back in. I notice he had 27 possessions. Uh, can we get a uh, indication of were they were they quality possessions? Were they did they hit the mark? Yeah, so looking at my stats here, I've actually got Tyson down as having 35 touches and two goals. Right. Um, yeah, well, so you keep uh, you keep your own stats, do you, Drunken? Well, uh, the stats that Casey give up are separate from the ones that I get off an app, which I'm pretty sure comes straight from Champion Data. So there's a bit of discrepancy there. That, that's a huge uh, cons- <laughs> huge yeah. discrepancy. We'll go, we'll go with yours. We'll go with yours. <laughs> they bet sound better. So yeah, Tyson. He started poorly, very poorly. I'm pretty sure every single kick he had in the first quarter went straight to an opposition. Uh, so. It looked like he was going to be having an absolute stink up. But after about the first, halfway through the second quarter, he really stepped up and finished the game strongly. He was involved uh, in a lot of forward 
stoppages, which turned into goals. He kicked two goals himself. Both were fairly nice goals, like snaps around packs and that kind of stuff. As I said, finished with 35 disposals, including 18 kicks. He had 10 marks and 10 tackles for the day, so he finished very strongly. Yeah, uh, Vogue on poetry um, in the uh, Casey thread uh, agreed with you. He said as the game wore on, he was more influential. Uh, but on form, he still thinks that uh, Nibbler and Harms have gone past him. Um, and, yeah, so I think it's going to be hard for Dom Tyson to crack into the team as well, barring uh, some injuries or rotations. What are, you, what are your thoughts on uh, on Jeffy, Drunken? Um. Yeah, Jeff, I think he's he's just lacking a bit of confidence at the moment. Um, he didn't have a hell of a lot of touches. Um, I'm just looking really quick. But he kicked a really nice goal. It was sort of uh, one of the case-listed players, James Munro, tackled a defender in the pocket, and Jeffy just sort of swooped on off one step and snapped it from 45 from basically the boundary and went straight to the middle, which was impressive. Um, but other than that, he was, he was fairly quiet. He only had 16 touches for the game. Um, only had one tackle. So I think he just sort of... He needs to find the ball a bit more to really sort of get back playing his best footy. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see how he goes. Is he spending time in the midfield or is he just up forward? It's No, mostly in the midfield. He does go no. forward often, but it's mostly midfield time. Yeah, I, I, do, do you guys find uh, that strange. I know that a lot of the times when they put those guys down to uh, the VFL level, they do go into the midfield. Um, you know, like uh, Jay Kennedy Harris would probably play in the seniors in the forward pocket as would Jeffy. Um, and they seem to go into the midfield when they play in the VFL. But uh, I don't know, should he be played in his position when he goes to VFL level? Or do you reckon they just want him to get in, getting a lot of touches of the ball to find some touch? I think a mixture yeah. of the twos, twos, fair enough. You know, you, you see, do see him occasionally go through the middle um, in the ones as well. But I, I would personally prefer, as an armchair pundit, to uh, to have him play most of the time down forward if that's where we're expecting him to play when he comes back in the seniors. Well, according to Vogan Poetry, he's not banging the door down and uh, also from Drunken's uh, report. So for me, that's very disappointing because I love Jeffy. I want to see, you know, I always imagined a successful Demons team would have him, you know, bobbing up for, for two to four goals. Um, yeah. And he's he's nowhere near that at the moment. So, And mm. I thought Sunday would have been a great day for him. He would have loved just running out the back with Crow's defenders miles away. That would have uh, really played to his his ability to get out the back. Um, but, you know, there's no, there's no point bringing him back with everyone else down forward firing like they are. But it's the type of guy that you could have put in last week and he probably would have, in the team and in the game we played, he probably would have kicked a, a bag of goals. Um, mm. But he's got to get into that team first and uh, certainly um, the form isn't, um, he's not producing that, that type of footy to, to get back in. And you have a look at um, at Hannon and uh, Spargo bobbing up for their, for their goals each week and, uh, yeah, they're keeping their spots. So barring any um, rotations... Uh, and we keep saying it about Spargo and, and or at least Spargo that they might give him a rest, but doesn't look like he needs a rest at the moment. He's getting he's taking marks and getting the ball all around the, the ground. So D Oldfart says that uh, Deck had a great uh, had a great game, drunken. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I usually keep 
a lid on it when I'm talking about deck. <laughs> but today I'm going to put on my big brother glasses and he was unbelievable. Probably, I probably got a bit over the top, but it was honestly one of the best games I've ever seen, especially considering he's had a relatively slow start to the season, giving out a couple of late injuries. And then especially since he had that concussion issue last week, missed the, one of the days training throughout the week. To come out and play the way he did was unbelievable. Um, he started the game. He was in everything. Well, the three tools, him, Frost, and Petty, were very good all game. Um, but he was in everything at the start. Basically, any ball that was kicked into the fence, he got over and was able to contest. And then, so at the moment, because Wiedemann was injured and then Bull Smith's obviously playing seniors and Pedro was the travelling emergency, Casey never really had a, that key marking forward. And then they've sort of been using Mitch White uh, in that position. But he went down, unfortunately, with a shoulder injury halfway through the third quarter and doesn't look too good, but hopefully he can get over that. So the coach, Jade Rawlings, threw Deck forward and immediately impacted the game. And Rawlings himself said Declan was probably the reason Casey were able to get over the line. Um, kicked an important goal, was reminiscent of that T-Mac against Carlton where he sort of just read it from the back of the pack and was able to turn around and have a clear shot. It was almost like a mirror image of that exact goal. Um, he was able to be that link-up player that Casey were missing all game. So coming out of the back 50, he was able to, to run up and take that big mark to dish it off when they were able to run forward. I'm pretty sure he took 10 marks for the day and three or four of them were in that last quarter and all marks he took turned into a Casey goal. Um, yeah, you just stuff. As I said it's hard for me not to be biased, but he was just it was his best game for the, for this season so far. Good stuff. Well, it's all right to have the lid off because our lid's starting to, <laughs> to go off, so uh, we can we sympathise with that. Um, other Melbourne listed players, uh, uh, Petty. Um, so, someone said that uh, Petty looks very similar to you to your brother. Um, how did his game go? Yeah, so. Very Must similar. Have been right. I get He's been mixed up on sometimes. for an extra year. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yes, like saying how they look similar. Even I get Deck and Petty mixed up sometimes. So, um, but Petty was was great. He is a fantastic one on one player. Um, he he looks the goods, and like key defenders are hard to find. He absolutely looks the goods. Great. Uh, and as uh, Gray Viney mentioned, uh, we did re-sign a couple of young young guys uh, earlier in the week, and Harrison Petty was one of them. Uh, Spargo and Fritch, uh, the other two. So it was good to sort of lock those those guys away. I think till twenty twenty. Um, yep. uh, who else? Uh, Balik, how did he go? I think he kicked a couple of goals, three goals. Yep. So he he was the highest goal scorer with three goals. Um, yeah, he's. He sort of he started the season well against Coburg and then sort of slowed down a bit. Had a couple of weeks out um, with some issues, but this is his best game back since coming back in the last couple of weeks. Uh, he popped up was really really strong forward of the ball. Was in a lot of contests um, and pretty sure like his score involvements. I don't know exactly what they were, but it would have been a fair few. He set up a few goals and obviously kicked a few himself. So he was he was good. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I think last week, I, I, I having not seen the game, I was just disappointed based on his stats, considering we thumped a team by 100, he only kicked a goal. So it was good to see him get amongst the goals here and sort of contribute to the win. Because um, I, I would like to see Balik at some stage get a game. Um, 
So, yeah. Um, the other one, uh, Oscar Baker, uh, from what I've read, uh, had a pretty impressive game, particularly the second half. Yeah, so his first half was uh, was quiet, but his second half, especially the third term, he was unbelievable. He reminded me of Jaden Hunt when Hunt was up to his best. He was His run off half-back and his involvement and speed and evasiveness through the, through the centre was as good as I've ever seen. Um, yeah, how, he was. How, he's, how quick he's, is he, Drunken? Is he as quick off, as Jaden? Yeah, off the mark, I'd say probably not as quick, but pretty close too. Um, and not only that, he's he's a very very smart footballer, so he, he finds the right targets. In sort of, he can get through a tiny gap. So if he sees a, a bit of space, he just takes off running like Hunt can and break those lines and have a real impact when he gets up and going. Mm, interesting. Speaking of uh, Hunt and Pedersen. Um, I was super impressed to see during our game they were off on another oval, uh, running around in the in the heat. Um, and I, I'm assuming that was a directive from the coaching staff, considering <laughs> well, considering that they, they were doing in their spare time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, considering that they weren't playing that week, they, they obviously wanted to keep their those guys fit to up, so they had them running around. But you know, it's super impressive to see, and um, yeah. Uh, I thought that was good. Uh, anyone else uh, that caught your eye um, of the Demon listed players? Yeah, so I'll quickly run through a few of the others we haven't spoke about. Uh, JKH, he he had a, a solid game, um, 25 touches, a couple of goals, a couple of nice goals too. But the thing that really caught my eye about him was just his attitude at times throughout the game was just not what it should be. There was one particular play... Garlett had the ball in the wing and was under pressure and kicked it towards JKH and he shanked the kick slightly and it was gone, always going to hit the port player but as soon as the ball was kicked and Jay saw the ball wasn't coming to him directly instead of trying to impact the contest he just sort of stood still and sort of put his arms out like saying what the hell was that like it's not like he just didn't try at all yeah, yeah. and that's sort of speaks of how his season has been so far. He's just sort of, I don't know, it's just like he's not invested in the team like he once was. Um, but that's been really critical and I don't want to sort of dig into the bike, but it just sort of didn't look like his head was sort of in the right place. Yeah, that's, uh, that's disappointing. Uh, what about like uh, Buggy? How, how, how did he go? Uh, yeah, so Bug didn't have a lot of touches, like 14 touches for the game, but it was good. Um, good up four, kicked a couple of goals, one particularly very nice one reading off the, of a, a throw-up. Um, yeah, he's sort of similar to Jeffy. Like, he does nice things when he gets his hands on the pill, just needs to find it a bit more, I think. And I think I think the only other one there, um, uh, Frosty. Um... Yeah, so Frost, like, as I said, the three tools, Deck, Petty and Frost, were fantastic all game, and, and Frost was no different. He, he's marking, and a couple of the runs off halfback was as good as he's done this year. Um, he only had the 16 touches, but he got to a lot of contests, made a lot of spoils, and um, no, he, Frosty had a very strong game. So it seems like we've got a few players um, that uh, are sort of just waiting for their turn in line, but at the moment when you got the uh, the ones playing the way they're the way they are playing, it's very hard for some of these guys, even if they are showing form in the twos. So, um, I mean, it's a good problem to have because we've got some guys that can come in and do something. But, uh, yeah, 
uh, you, you sort of feel for some of them because it's going to be hard to get it break into this team, uh, particularly when they're playing so well. Yeah, they would exactly. have to be uh, favourites for the, the VFL flag now, surely. What do you think? It, it really yeah. depends, like, especially with a, an AFL line club, it, it really depends on injury and selection and that kind of stuff. Because um, yeah. they have a couple of touch wood, hopefully not. They have a couple of injuries that can really sort of send them into a hole fairly quickly. Because you have so much changes constantly in the VFL team, it's hard to to get that cohesion really strong. Consistency um, as well of yeah. players. Yeah. Um, also, when we go, we're going to have a few interstate games. Uh, we go to Darwin later in the year, and they seem to take one or two players away from that for those games. So. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, just a couple more players real quick. So the two, Rocks, Flipper and yep. King. So that was King's first game back um, off a few weeks out with an injury. So he was okay. Um, he just, I think he just, it's going to take him a little bit of a while to get back to playing good footy. And Filipovic, his ruck work is very good at the moment, especially for only a second year. Players barely played any football. His ruck work was good. But he just needs to work around on the ground. Like he got his hands to a lot of contests, but dropped a fair few marks, which he probably should have taken. And also, Dion Johnston. Because um, I've, I've always liked Dion. I've been on record before saying I do like Dion. And he only had the eight touches for the game, but some of his defensive efforts were the best I've seen from him. There was one particular play where Port were coming down the wing and it looked like this bloke was easily going to take an uncontested mark and Dion come from a good 20, 30 metres away and had this laid this massive spoil, punched it over the line and like the crowd erupted. And I think that things like that from Dion are very promising. If he can sort of keep up that defensive pressure, um, he's still only very, very young, so he, he might still come to a good player. And and there's also the other two players, uh, probably Wagner and uh, Smith. And uh, from what I've read from Vogue on Poetry's um, thing, that neither of them uh, neither of them uh, played the house down. Yeah, like they weren't obviously the, in the best, but they weren't bad either. They both had decent old games, um, and <laughs> that's really all you can ask for yeah. when the rest of the team sort of playing some decent footy. So who who have Casey got uh, coming up this week? So we're playing Williamstown in Williamstown. Um, I think they're sitting roughly about the same place we are on the ladder. So it's always hard beating them there because they play really, really well at that ground. But um, I saw the Wiedemann is back available this week. And obviously being a Saturday game, both the, well, all the emergencies will be able to play. So I think we should give Williamstown a good run for their money. Excellent, uh, boys. Any other questions for for the for the drunk for the drunken? Nope, it's co- covered it all. Uh, I was uh, interested in frost. It does seem like a long time since the the theory was going around that I must say I was signed up to that we had to get him in that back line to to get it going again. Uh, it's certainly not being talked about as much now. No, with with uh, with the year that uh, Oscar McDonald's having, um, and then you know all the you know. Hibbard back in form and, you know, Lever coming into the team, it's made it very hard for Frosty to get in um, at the moment. And uh, I don't know, where do you see um, 
in ter- Frosty in terms of Harrison Petty, um, who, are they sort of on level or do you reckon uh, Petty's going to get a, a game before him? Uh, so I think Frost is still ahead of Petty at the moment. Because um, Petty's good, but he still makes a couple of mistakes uh, most games, and that can be attributed down. He's only a first-year player, and obviously Frost has been in the system a bit more than, than he has. And so I, I, if we need to bring in another backman for whatever reason, I think Frost would definitely get the go ahead of Petty at the moment. I think the good thing uh, that we've got going with Petty is that we can, we've can. we got the luxury to um, develop him in the twos. Um, in the past, we were sort of very quick to get any young young guys that had a little bit of talent, get them straight into the team. So it's good that uh, we have uh, that luxury to play him in the twos. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, thank you for your reports. As usual, very insightful. And, uh, you know, we thank you for your contribution. And uh, you get to the games and are able to give us, you know, all of us at Demon Land uh, a bit of insight because, as we say, we can't get to those games and uh, they're not televised all that often. So thank you. No worries, mate. Uh, before I go, go I just it. want to tell a quick story from a couple of weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> um, so you guys mentioned it, but I thought. Viney didn't get the recognition in the media this week that he deserved. Yeah. He come back in his second game, which is usually a blunder out of eight months out of the game, and have 35 touches and 20 contested possessions with only 72% game time, which is just unreal. Um, when he played that Box Hill game, after all the games, all the boys of both teams come into the social rooms and the coaches will get up and say a few words and then have a couple of drinks before everyone sort of goes their own way. And Billy Stretch was best on ground that, that day. And so they got him to come up to the front of the crowd and he gave a little speech. And he, I'm going to paraphrase here, but he, he said that it was amazing being able to walk out onto the ground with Jack Viney standing next to him. Because he said every time you walk onto a ground with Viney there, you just stand that much taller and you're just that much more confident and you just play that much better. And I think that's translated over to the AFL team. You just you can tell when Viney's up and about, the rest of the boys are just unbelievable. You just brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> 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 no, well said. Uh, yeah, I... Even as supporters, I, I stand taller when Viney's on the on the field, and yeah, he had, he had a fantastic game, um, no doubt. Um, thank you, thank you for right. for the report, and uh, we'll we'll speak to you next week. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Cheers. Thank good on you, drunken. That was uh, drunken. That was drunken one six seven. Um, always uh, with the uh, Casey reports for us, and uh, yeah, he does a good job. Um, Moving on to the game this week, um, yeah, well, injury list, there's not much to talk about. Uh, Wiedemann is back, but you would assume he's going to play in the twos. I don't think uh, they're going to swap out uh, him with Tib Smith because I think that's the at the moment that's uh, that's the change for him. Um, any other changes you could see, uh, fellas? Not unless someone was tired and needed a rest, but I wouldn't have yeah, thought I so, agree. no. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so that... Um... Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so going into this week. I know it's a shorter break versus the Bulldogs, and they they will have had longer longer break. But I think we just get the people through this week, get that extra day um, going into Queen's birthday, and we should be able to manage everyone through through Queen's birthday. 
Now we're back at our fortress. Um, we play well there now, so um, I'm happy with that. Now, do you know, um, I, th- I think it's the is this week officially the Indigenous round, so I know the Bulldogs are going to be wearing their Indigenous strip. Are we wearing our Indigenous strip? Um, I'm not sure. I, I know, I know think, Adelaide I think so, wear no. theirs last week because it clashed with ours, which is a, which is a first. Yes, <laughs> the Indigenous Round Jumper Clash. Do you know what happened with that? Because I'm I'm assuming because they had the photo of Jeddah and uh, Eddie Betts both wearing their uh, Indigenous Guernseys. So it seems like Adelaide. Do, do you think Adelaide were initially going to be playing in their Indigenous Guernsey, no, and then someone I think they brought said, that just for the photo opportunity. Okay, because it seemed. I think they knew well ahead of time that it was going to clash and that it, and it didn't happen. It didn't get, I don't think it was a last-minute change. It no. wasn't couriered in on, uh, <laughs> on a plane, on they a get the on Royal Flying Doctor Service <laughs> or uh, something else from, from out Alice, yeah. Because when I saw that photo opportunity, I thought, typical AFL, um, you know, to, they make such a song and dance about uh, us clashing with uh, teams that I don't think we necessarily clash with, uh, and then they come out and do this, but I'm glad that uh, that didn't end up happening. Um, I actually really enjoyed the whole Alice Spring experience last week, and I say that I was watching it from the comfort of my couch. I wasn't there, but uh, I love the club's involvement with the community. Um, the fact that you've got the um, uh, the Nirupi Demons, yep. um, who are about 400, 500k away, um, in the desert, they make the long track to Alice Springs and give a lot of good support. There was the re-recording of Grand Old Flag in the local language, yep. which if you haven't seen that, go and have a look and look at the translation because it's a, it's an adaptation rather than just a translation of Grand Old Flags. So that was really good, I thought. And it's great to see... Uh, it's great to see that they got a, a full um, stadium for the first time uh, in that match too, so... Um, as much as I'm a fan of bringing the two NT games back to uh, Melbourne and the MCG, uh, I thought it was really well done um, on the weekend. I wonder if there's some opportunity in the future to potentially ditch Darwin and keep and this one on its own. Both because, the Atlas. Um, you know, we might lose a bit of money in comparison. Um, and I thought it was interesting, an article in the paper that suggested we wouldn't necessarily play the game that came back to Victoria at the MCG because we're only contracted there for a certain amount of games, which, as we know, Fortress Shithole at Docklands <laughs> is now, uh, you know, it's not so bad to have to go and play games there, but I'm not sure we're going to we're gonna drag in as many people as we would at the G. Um, I just wonder if, yeah, potentially, uh, you could see that Channel 7 had obviously had a, had a bung from the Northern Territory government as well to um, basically turn the coverage into an episode of Postcards. <laughs> So I'm wondering if that if that were to happen every year and every year it was going to be treated as a, a good game, get put in as oh, premium a slot as you can get for a day game over the weekend, um, whether there would be an opportunity to sort of maybe take a 75% of what we get now um, and, and, you know, let, let someone else take Darwin. Um, I think, unfortunately, if it's all or nothing, at the moment it still has to be all or nothing. Um, but if there was a way we could keep Alice and really build around that, keep playing an AFLW game there every season, and then try and make a quarter of what the the current income is back another way, 
um, I think that would be a, a more acceptable way at the moment of um, still getting the money, but also um, minimising the impact it has on the club. Yeah, again, I can provide a little bit of this week, so. inside in... Uh, sorry? Yeah, I, no, I was going to say, then again, we might fall, fall apart in a heap in the fourth quarter uh, this weekend and it'll be back to boo, get rid of Alice Springs, what are we going <laughs> to play there for? Um, I actually do a bit of work with Sean Bowden, who's of the, uh, you know, the footballing uh, Bowden family of Richmond um, and big uh, big footy people in Alice Springs. Um, the stadium's named after the uh, their old man. But he's uh, very involved in AFL-NT and um, uh, together with Lewis Martin from Channel 7, they cooked up this whole plan of you know, the game in the heart of the nation. And I think that Channel 7 are actually very keen on it. And the expense that they put into it this year, I mean, they sent Daisy and BT up to do a promo thing um, weeks before and devoting the whole day to it with the um, uh, with the warm-up game before, I think Channel 7 um, are, are sort of keen on the idea of, of turning it into a... Um, into a sort of a fixture each year. So um, the other thing is, once you become a good team, you start to worry less about giving up the home ground advantage that we were all so sort of desperate to hold on to a few years ago. Because uh, once you sort of start thinking seriously about the home and away season, you really need to win everywhere, don't you? And we've had a better record away this season than we have at home. Um so, yeah, you sort of start to think that you're perhaps not giving up so much um, in a football sense. Well, I'd be interested in talking to your, your David Missons of the world to say what's the difference between playing in this sort of warm Alice Springs versus sweaty Darwin. What's the, what's the impact for the future? Is there an impact? You know, you see players. I saw some fans on the boundary line the other day, but we weren't getting shots every five seconds of players pouring ice water over their head and, Hanging out no. in a in a in a meat locker like they do in in Darwin, uh, what is the is it a, a lesser physical is it more physically taxing to play in that really sweaty Darwin um, atmosphere versus Alice Springs? You would um, you would think so, but also it was, so, yeah. it was an unseasonably warmer day uh, than is yep. usual for that time of year. Um, I think it's usually 22, 24 degrees, and this was a hot 27 degrees. But I believe later in the game, and they said it on the commentary, once the clouds came in, uh, that heat sort of uh, dissipated. So you would think that Darwin is going to have more of an impact. Um, I believe uh, teams have... <laughs> didn't, was it Brisbane who played up there one year when we were on IV drips or something at... Uh, Half time, I don't know. Oxygen tanks or yeah. something like that. Um, yeah, I, I look, and I think from promotional perspective, the Northern Territory, like a, a free-to-air game where, yeah, they basically had four or five hours of content and they had, yeah, Daisy and BT on a camel versus <laughs> a Fox footy game on a Saturday night, Melbourne Frio, you get that promotional opportunity, but it's not, it, it's more, here's a shot of, uh, here's a shot of some mountains, here's a shot of wherever, on with the football, like are they? It would it be better for them to like pour all their resources into that that one game and sort of treat the second one as a more of a throwaway? Um, hopefully, if that can we can get a get a deal out of that. But like I said, I think at the moment, if we're chucking the pokies as well, uh, if it has to be both, then at least in the short term, I think personally we have to stick with both. 
Uh, I've got to say my highlight was uh, Daisy talking to the uh, Nerupi demons yep. on the boundary line where she slipped and said something like, oh, thanks for coming coming to cheer us on. Yeah, yeah she's, uh, she's threw, demon through and ch- through. Chucked out any, uh, any semblance of um, independence in that moment. It was great. Yeah, but I also, because they were decked out in their demons gear and, um, yeah. Well, the association between Melbourne and Nirupi goes back quite a few years now. The, the club's visit, club visits there every time it goes now. Apparently the whole community is painted red and blue and quite a, there's uh, huge sort of Melbourne things everywhere and they call the ground that they play on the MCG. So <laughs> uh, that association between the two clubs is fantastic. And as I say, the fact that they come 450 kilometres to the match is uh, is just awesome, I think. I thought it was funny the bloke that got interviewed and he said he, he you know, jumped on in 1985 and it's kind of you think you think to yourself, why? Yeah. <laughs> why 1985? The like, there's so many other times where you know, it would, would make sense for someone to just randomly jump on the day. <laughs> um, it's just a very odd time. When they said, when she said, how long have you been following the days? I was expecting, oh, you know, 87, 88, 85. It's like, why? Like, that's, what I, that's what I would have... I know Daisy wasn't there to do an in-depth, you know, analysis of 1985, <laughs> but that would have been my next question to him, yeah. Why? Uh, she, uh, they could see the talent that was coming through in the seconds and thirds. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. Destroy All makes a good point. We should uh, make reference to the tree, um, the very famous tree, um, which obviously is uh, was only mentioned two or three hundred times during the game by BT. And I don't believe that uh, was a Gilbert, Gilbert McAdam. Gilbert McAdam I don't believe he kicked the goal from there. <laughs> Unless it was almost a back throw. flank. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember a couple of years ago, the first I think the first time we played there, Fox botched their camera angles and someone, possibly Christian Salem, was taking a shot on goal and their camera just was just like looking at the branches of the tree. <laughs> so potentially it is a better thing to have Channel 7 there, even if the downside is obviously having to have BT be involved. <laughs> yes. Um, I was I was interested in uh, Bruce McAvaney oh. calling for Alex Neil Baldwin at one point. <laughs> he did. He, he flubbed that one time, which is very unlike Bruce. But, no, and you you know you try commentating a game and and see what happens. So yeah, when he's got a record like that, uh, he's a bit you know it's a bit like shooting Bambi to take the piss out of him as opposed to a BT or a Dwayne. I felt that um, that um, Bruce uh, didn't really give us the love earlier in the game. He he sort of had no excitement for us. And but any time Adelaide um, got the ball past the centre line, he sort of. Uh, uh, Almost, uh, you know, well, uh, it was in ecstasy. Um, how about the response when Eddie kicked that goal in the last quarter when Salem, uh, A, dropped the mark and then B, fumbled the ball on the ground and Bruce absolutely wet himself. And, yeah. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. And his little mate Salem couldn't have gifted the goal, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, any more. So, the funny thing is that was straight after the one that they gifted us where the guy fumbled it and, and melted it. <laughs> yeah. Chipped in and kicked the goal. It was uh, it was not a great couple of minutes for for defence. No, no, it wasn't. Um, yes, wasn't a good four quarters for defence if you're Adelaide. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if you do want to join us uh, on the tail end of the show, zero three nine zero one six three triple six or Demonland thirty one on Skype. Um, so Jonesy plays his two hundred fiftieth game. We talked about it a, a little bit before, but. Uh, Get around the guy, uh, rap for him. Can't wait to see the banner this week. 
Um, I'm sure we'll see his bald nut on the on the banner. <laughs> they love when they pull out the pictures. Um, yeah, wrapped for for Jonesy. Yeah, he'd be loving life at the minute, wouldn't he? Yeah. Uh, look, uh, if we're going to have some success this year, uh, it's all for Jonesy. Uh, I can't. Yeah, you know, I'd love to see him play finals um, footy because I'm sure. Every September since uh, 2006, uh, he'd probably hate September as much as I've hated September, um, <laughs> but probably even more. So, uh, yeah, I hope these guys get to have a bit of success and for Jonesy. I think it's good to have someone they can rally around as well. And again, like we were saying before, most of the players who are, who are there now weren't there five years ago. So you don't want too many people who have suffered trauma um, but, you know, having someone like Jonesy who they can rally around, I guess, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I came on after 1987, but Robbie Flower in his last season where it was like, do it yeah, for do Robbie, it for Robbie. Um, probably a, a lesser version of that. But yeah. it's something for people to rally around that we, you know, we really want to we want to see Jonesy, you know, lead us out in the final. So it's interesting that the last time we won uh, five games in a row, uh, that was two weeks before Jonesy um, <laughs> Jonesy got in the team. So uh, it's great that he's uh, you know he's never won five games in a row, and um, yeah, this is fantastic. Now the other um, record that we're on the verge of breaking, and I really hope we do it, and uh, is that twenty two two quarters in a row. What what is the rec- current record? I think it's twenty one. Yeah, so we I need, to, we win need to, to run the run the line to beat it and win the first three to equal it. And and do you know how dirty I was in that last quarter when we were on the virtual one <laughs> stage of not winning the last quarter? That was I, I would have almost taken the game as a loss had we not won that last quarter. <laughs> well, they looked cooked um, early in the last, and I thought, oh, we're going to concede a few here. But uh, they kicked the last four goals of the game after having kicked the first five, so... Uh, it was a very impressive way which, to finish. Which was nice to see because a few weeks ago uh, when we played uh, the Essendon and St Kilda, we sort of gave up a few goals at the end. So uh, this was good that they were able to go finish a game. Um, even though we could have taken the foot off the pedal and rested some guys, they, they still ran out the game and, and got that kept that record intact. Um, so, uh, Grave Viney, we were speaking during the week um, about that. It, it, so that... That is an all-time record, 22 quarters. Do we know that for a fact? Well, yeah, it's just 21. Since... It's, it was Geelong. Um, so I found that hard to believe that that's the that it's, a, the, that it's yeah, so low. It's, uh, for yeah, an all-time record. sort of think record? about some of the dominant sides, including our own in the 50s and Hawthorne in the, you know, in the late 80s. You would have thought that uh, it would be more, but it's obviously not. So yeah, I... I, you don't know how badly I want this record. <laughs> Is it silly of me to want a record like this? I don't know. Oh, I don't <laughs> think so. We are getting them. Yeah, collect them. You're right. Uh, great finding. What did you say? No, I say we're also getting to the point where that thread, which is when will we break these embarrassing records, we can almost retitle that thread to when will other clubs break <laughs> our embarrassing records. Yeah. Um, we're starting to sort of flip them on their heads now, so is it's there, good to see. Is there anything on that still, with the exception of finals and premierships uh, on there, that we need to still knock over? Do we have someone no. kicking 10 on there? Is that a... 
I mean, the, it, it could happen. But it that doesn't, you know what? It's it, No one kicks big bags like that anymore. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like I said, it, it has happened in the last few years. I think it's only, uh, apart from a couple of slaughters against, you know, GWS in their early days when the the Adelaide Tom Lynch kicked 10 and uh, Rewalt kicked 10 and obviously Franklin did it at least once. Um, it can happen. We seem to be sharing uh, the load around in terms of goals. Uh, we get a lot of, you know, the, the threes and the twos and, and you get a five like Hogan. Um, I'd, I'd like to think there's a... The, there's one massive bag in someone's future. Uh, one of the St Kilda games we lost a couple of years ago where Hogan kicked seven. Seven, yeah. And he had an absolute sitter for an eighth uh, that he missed. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, obviously for sheer comedy value of Tom McDonald not having kicked a goal for his first 59 games of his career, I'd love him to come out and rip 10 one day. Um, but I don't think it's completely out of the question that we could really uh, start smacking someone around one day and someone could get eight or nine goals. Well, I look forward to that. Uh, we had one other amazing thing that happened uh, this week and it was last night. Um, David Dietz getting inducted to the AFL Hall of Fame and uh, uh, what a great bloke. I love Nita. Great bloke, great captain of the club. Um, great player. Uh, I'm sure you guys were wrapped with uh, that. Uh, did we know that was happening or we don't? you don't know until the night? You don't know until the night, but his name was uh, certainly being mentioned as a possibility, and uh, a very, uh, very just reward for a really good player. Um, not too many players who I think uh, he made all Australian at either ends of the ground, and certainly Wayne Carey nominated him and uh, and uh, Glenn Jakovic as his two most difficult opponents. So to get that kind of um, recognition from one of the all-time great centre-half forwards shows just how good he was at centre-half back. So, uh, great player. And I think an interesting um, sliding doors, and not in the Damien Barrett uh, in way, is to think about what would happen if James Cook hadn't injured himself early in 2000, because that was sort of what sent him down. He was, I'm pretty sure he was playing down back early in 2000. Um, and then when Cook got injured, I think he, he kicked six in his second game, got injured in his third game and was never seen again. Uh, that's when Nita was never seen in the back line again. Um, so what would have happened if, uh, yeah, if Cook hadn't been injured? Because he certainly kicked on for, you know, seven or eight years in the forward line after that. Yeah. What? It's, uh, Go ahead. I, I was just going to say that somebody mentioned in the thread uh, acknowledging Nita that... Um, they remember a fantastic goal that he kicked from in front of the members uh, deep on the boundary. And uh, that reminded me, Andy, of uh, that. Well, well, it was the Gary Lyon pocket, firstly. He never missed from no. there. And Nita never did either. Um, when he was 50 out, hard up against the boundary in front of the MCC there, he never failed to nail that kick. Um, and he, he had a beautiful, uh, beautiful kick on him. I think, Peter, I think my, sorry, Peter, my favourite was uh, the night where we we had the big parade of all the old players. I think it was round two, two thousand and four, because uh, there'd been a bit of you know off field, few off field shenanigans. And they wanted a bit of unity, and they had all the old players do a lap around the ground, and then he came out and kicked nine uh, against Richmond. And I'm yeah. pretty sure he had a a reasonable opportunity for the tenth as well. And either I think he may have passed it to to Aaron Davy or something like that. Um, that was. 
a, a spectacular game. I know he also kicked nine against Carlton. Um, but that was definitely my favourite of his games. My favourite goal of his was that uh, crunching uh, bump on McCabe uh, yes. and then was able to, to pick up the ball and kicked a great snap. Great player. McCabe will be happy to see that getting a run <laughs> yeah. again the next few days. He'll be still feeling sore from that, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, love Nita as, you know, great bloke, great player. Uh, good on him. Um, anything else, boys, before we wrap it, wrap it up for another week? I think, look, I think we should win this week. Uh, I'm not expecting it to be another freewheeling uh, slaughter like the last few weeks, uh, but you never know. The way we're playing at the moment, um, it might be we either win by 100 or lose by 20. So let's hope it's more the former than the latter. We've got a great opportunity going into the bye. Um, if we can bank two wins, uh, let's take one week at a time, though. But if we if we can get a win this week, uh, they're going to... And if Collingwood win this week... Um, there's going to be a massive crowd Queen's birthday. What do you reckon? Could end up being a larger crowd than uh, than the Anzac Day Eve because it, Collingwood have got free. So, yeah, they sh- there's every chance they will win. So that, that would be nice. And uh, it, our home game, uh, Collingwood? Yep. <laughs> Good. Bank. <laughs> we know, but uh, we need Watts to beat Collingwood. So we saw that last year. So, hmm. Well, I don't think Never? we do. Well, <laughs> he, you shall not be named. Uh, no, I, I'm no one's up, thinking about Jack Watts, no, I, are they? I don't, I don't think his name's been mentioned on uh, Demonland uh, this entire month, which is probably a first. Um, it, probably, it probably is, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen him mentioned. But, uh, I look, I don't think we're missing him at all. So, um, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, uh, Super Mercado, you uh, want to give your your plugs? Uh, yes, I'll give the uh, the old uh, the old hat trick. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at DemonBlog, on the blog at DemonBlog.com, and then of course DemonWiki.org for all your obscure historical facts. Oh, now that you've mentioned it, gotta go. Got to go see who the uh, who my random photo of the I've week. I've got a we... Jeff. I've got a Jeff White 2006 Brownlow predictor footy card. Uh, I've got Andrew Opst. What a what a player. Uh, loved him. Injury and prone. I have got. <laughs> you don't know who it is, do you? Uh, Joe Smith. <laughs> 1926, that's, so a yeah. premiership player. That sounds like a made-up name. <laughs> um, Joe Smith, 1926. Speaking, He's in the team. Speaking of uh, Jeff White, uh, he, post, he posted on Instagram uh, the other day a video of his son, his eldest son, uh, doing uh, breaking a, a, a high jump record set in 2002 at his high school or whatever he's in at the moment. Um, kid's going to be very tall. Um, let's hope you can play footy as well. You might, you might get a game. You'll have to get through a few of the uh, Hall of Fame legends that we're developing at the moment. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, boys. Um, thank you very much for joining us, Super Mercado and Grape Viney. And thank you to Drunken for your Casey report. Um, we'll be back same time next week. Thank you. Go days. Go days.